Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Science, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Galina Limorenko, doctoral candidate in neuroscience with a focus on biochemistry and molecular biology of neurodegenerative diseases at the PFL in Switzerland, the host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Edzard Ernst, the author of Chiropractic, Not All That It's Cracked Up To Be. Of all forms of alternative medicine, chiropractic is one that is most generally accepted. In the UK, for instance, chiropractors are regulated by statute and even have their own Royal College of Chiropractic. In the US, chiropractic's country of origin, most chiropractors carry the title doctor, and many consumers believe that they are medically trained. Despite this high level of acceptance, chiropractic is wide open to criticism. The claims and assumptions made by a chiropractor are far from evidence-based. Chiropractic manipulations are of doubtful effectiveness and have regularly been um, associated with severe adverse effects, including multiple fatalities. The advice issued by chiropractors to patients and consumers is often less than responsible. The behavior of chiropractors and their organizations is frequently less than professional. This book presents and discusses recent evidence in and around chiropractic in a factual and unemotional manner. It amounts to an evidence-based critique of this profession and discloses the often dangerously misleading information published for the lay audience. It thereby contributes to advancing public health and critical thinking. Well, Edzard, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here today. So as we are living through these unprecedented times during pandemic, I would like to start by asking, how has it influenced you and your work? Well, a, a great deal. And about a year ago, I, I came to France for a holiday and then uh, everything went so pear-shaped that I, I stayed for the rest of the year and I'm still in France. So uh, it has inf- influenced the, 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 the place where I live. And in France, we have been in confinement uh, quite a lot. Uh, and um, that actually meant I had a lot more, lots more time to, to work, to write. So um, it has increased my productivity, I, I suppose. Really? That's uh, that's a bit unusual, isn't it? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm unusual, but uh, I, I, <laughs> I have, in, in the last year I have published uh, three books. So that, that's, that's much more than average. So you already had a very high um, level of output as it was, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. do you I'm, teach? I'm, do you teach online courses? No, I, I'm I'm retired from university life, so I'm emeritus professor, and um, I I have no teaching responsibilities anymore. Excellent. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Yes, I was born in Germany, and I studied uh, various things. Um, Psychology, which I didn't finish, uh, medicine, uh, 
I also trained in 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 music. I for for a long time I was a semi-professional musician. Um, then I became um, my my first post in as a, as a young doctor was in a homeopathic hospital. So I was exposed to all sorts of alternative methods. Then I became quite a normal doctor, conventional doctor. Then about uh, for ten for about ten years, I totally immersed into basic science. Uh, uh, did a lot of um, uh, studies, published a lot of stuff in basic science. Then I returned into clinical medicine, uh, became professor of rehabilitation medicine, first in Hanover, Germany. Then I became chair of rehabilitation medicine in Vienna, Austria. And after about four years in Vienna, I uh, saw this advertisement uh, for the first chair in complementary medicine in England. Uh, I applied and I got that post. I moved to England and I worked for just about 20 years in Exeter uh, doing research into alternative medicine, building up a multidisciplinary team. We didn't have patients, uh, so we, we, we had a little bit of teaching, not much and were basically uh, entirely focused on research into all sorts of alternative treatments, mainly acupuncture, homeopathy, herbal medicine, uh, and homeopathy. Interesting. So you started with homeopathy, then went into clinical practice, uh, I suppose traditional one, and then you returned back to alternative. But um, overall, you did you grow skeptical about the homeopathic uh, medicine overall? Well, as a clinician, initially I was I was very impressed. Uh, it was my first post ever, uh, so the first time I had patients, and and that is very exciting for any young doctor. So I, I, I was excited. I was impressed. Later, as I said, I became. Uh, or I, I immersed in, into some basic science, which changed my life completely, my outlook. I, I began to think like a scientist, which you don't when you come out of medical school. Uh, medics are not scientists. Uh, that is a big misunderstanding. Uh, me medics are also not taught how to think critically. We, we have no courses uh, in, in critical thinking. All this came came later, and as I uh, was getting more critical, I also uh, had a different outlook on on to alternative medicine. When I took on the post in in Exeter to research alternative medicine, I was uh, trying to be as neutral as possible. Uh, and I, I think that is important for a scientist. That's what you what you have to be. Uh, your your main concern has to be that the science is rigorous, not that you're taking sides or 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 that you're using science to prove your point, your testing points, not not proving anything. That was very much an irritation to the to everybody who had expected a proponent of alternative medicine, which I clearly wasn't. 
but I wasn't also an enemy of alternative medicine. What what made me a critic of this field was simply the results of our research and the results of uh, in uh, research internationally when we d- did systematic reviews, meta-analysis, etc. And yes, that's exactly which is very appealing about both your book, but also your work, that neutrality, but also humility and being really rigorous to be able to um, provide uh, perhaps point, not point of view, but uh, something that's really based in, in evidence. So I really appreciated uh, uh, that. So uh, can you perhaps describe a little bit more of what alternative medicine, what type of alternative medicine there is? So you mentioned acupuncture, homeopathy. Yeah, uh, there, there, there are plenty of, of, of methodologies. People think of alternative medicine as treatment, uh, and by and large that is true, but there are also there's a range of diagnostic methods uh, which uh, usually are not validated and and are a great concern if you if you look in, into them because they lead to false positive or false negative diagnosis but but mainly we are talking about treatments and somebody counted 400 different treatments in in this area uh, in in Exeter we tried to cover a lot but uh, we, we couldn't cover everything uh, um, in 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 this relatively short 20 years that that we did the research and um, yeah we, we published about a, a thousand papers on uh, on medline f- uh, on on the subject so we were hugely productive I had a team of about 20 researchers so it's not all all to 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 my hard work it's mostly teamwork and uh, yeah the, the the range is huge we're we're talking about physical treatments like uh, massage therapy chiropractic osteopathy for instance we're we're talking about um things that you take orally like homeopathy or herbal medicine we're talking about mind-body therapies uh, and, and a lot of other things. And that is precisely the problem because ah. you, you, cannot, you cannot ever say alternative medicine is good, alternative medicine is bad, um, because you're talking about so many people, uh, so many different treatments. And it would be, it would be just like saying, Conventional medicine is good or bad. Uh, uh, there's some things that are good, some things that are bad. And uh, that's precisely what I tried to express in, in the book when I uh, review the evidence for 21, uh, uh, 20 treatments that are supported by evidence and 20 which I think are concerning that's an absolutely important distinction that uh, you cannot uh, lump everything together. So that's uh, yeah, it's a really great point. I was wondering, how was uh, the response from the medical community to your papers, to your work? Were they receptive? Well, at, at, at first, uh, people were very skeptical about, about that post, both locally in, in Exeter as well as nationally uh, in in the UK 
as as well as internationally, um, because uh, there, there was a lot of press coverage and, and people got alerted to me being in that position and so forth. Um, so lots of skepticism. Uh, and when people then started reading what, what I was publishing, they, they got a bit more friendly, except those who were in the camp of alternative medicine, they got a little bit worried and thought, uh, th this man is not supporting us, um, which, as I pointed out, I really wasn't. I, I was just trying to uh, do good science and approach the truth as, as nearly as I could. So uh, reactions were very divided, but by and large, uh, the the field of uh, conventional medicine was supportive, um, even though uh, that is a very uh, gross uh, generalization, and and, and there's, there was the whole spectrum really, but by and large supportive. That's great. That's great to hear. And um, yeah, I'm a little surprised. To, I don't know whether. It's correct uh, word to that uh, some of the alternative practitioners were a bit defensive weren't they yes they they, they were they were worried they for instance when i when i said that one of my um, most important research question was what are the risks associated with alternative medicine uh, they they got extremely worried and and thought well what what is he talking about the, the risks are with Conventional medicine, if you think of cancer treatments, these these treatments are risky. Not our herbal treatments, not our homeopathic remedies. They are uh, free of side effects. As it turns out, they were wrong, and and uh, we we still know far too little about the risks of alternative treatments. But we know that the assumption that they are safe, totally safe, is certainly not true. Excellent. So with all of this uh, huge amount of experience and a lot of papers, so uh, some of it culminated in this book, Chiropractic, which uh, also has really, <laughs> yeah, so the second name, um, what you have not all that's cracked up to be. So this line <laughs> really bothered me a little bit. So there's... Um, uh, a warning. So when you watch the videos, how chiropractors do it on babies, you sometimes can actually hear this crack. So when I read the title of your book, that's exactly what I heard. So can you tell us why you called it this way? Well, it's uh, it's it's obviously a, a, a play on words, and I like to to play with words where, uh, and and uh, like to use a little bit of humor little bit of sarcasm sometimes and um, it, the, 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 it's nice that you hear this, this, the, the cracking of the spinal manipulation when you read the title of the book but it actually means that the assumptions of chiropractors and the claims of chiropractors are by and large not supported by good evidence. Yeah, it's a, it's a great title. It definitely captures attention. So can you tell us then what is the chiropractice itself? 
Well, chiropractic was in, invented about 120 years ago by uh, a very strange guy in, in America. Uh, his name was Palmer, Daniel uh, David Palmer. And um, he happened to manipulate the, the spine of somebody who was deaf. He couldn't hear that chap. And he manipulated the spine and... Uh, Lo and behold, this chap could hear again. His second patient was somebody who had coronary heart disease and he manipulated the spine of this man and the pain of the coronary heart disease uh, had stopped. So he uh, decided to investigate a little bit what this was all about and he sought to find out that every virtually every human condition is caused by what he called malalignment of the spine or spinal subluxation and in order to put the spine back into order he 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 claimed you need spinal manipulation uh, and he invented uh, many techniques uh, how to do that and chiropractic became a treatment for virtually everything. That is something we see quite often in alternative medicine, that one particular treatment is the therapy for every human condition. That was the claim of chiropractors. Only uh, one or two decades later, did chiropractors actually uh, begin to treat back pain? And nowadays, they mostly treat back pain and the, the field of chiropractic is divided into, in, into two camps, one adhering to the gospel of D.D. Palmer, who said every human condition is related to, uh, to subluxation, and the other camp, being back pain specialists who say we only treat back pain, acute back pain and chronic back pain. Um, uh, and if you look at the evidence, the first camp who treat everything, they are they're totally uh, uh, unsupported by, by sound evidence. And the other camp who say we can effectively treat backs um, are supported by a little bit of evidence, but really not very good evidence and not as strong as chiropractors try to make us believe. Something that was uh, really interesting for me is uh, about Palmer, that um, all of this chiropractic that he started was more like one-man show in the beginning. So he was the main guy, who would say, but he seemed to be quite a believer in all of it. Yeah, yeah, that, that is that is all, practically always the case um, with alternative medicine. You you can trace back almost all of these treatments to one simple uh, single person. Uh, with homeopathy, it was Hahnemann. With uh, osteopathy, it is uh, a guy called uh, Andrew Still. With chiropractic, it is Didi Palmer. Uh, these are like gurus who invent something and become quasi-religious believers into 
their own invention. They they propagate uh, their own treatment as a cure-all, as a panacea. That's an excellent point. And actually, a little bit more on, on that point as well with regards to patients. So in your book, you have like a really excellent letter printed. So I would like to read it. It's really short. So that's the letter from Harvey Lillard. So the uh, person that she mentioned who was cured from deafness. So he, he, he writes, I was deaf 17 years and I expected to always remain so. For I had doctored a great deal without any benefit. I had long ago made up my mind to not take any more ear treatments, for it did me no good. Last January, Dr. Palmer told me that my deafness came from an injury in my spine. This was new to me, but it is a fact that my back was injured at the time I went deaf. Dr. Palmer treated me on the spine, and in two treatments, I could hear quite well. That was eight months ago. My hearing remains good. So this was in the issue of 1897. But uh, reading it, it actually uh, looks like any comments that you can find even today, nowadays, on the testimony testimony pages of all of these alternative treatments. So how come this sort of persisted? Because we, we don't see something like this in medicine. Yes, uh... In, in 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 real medicine, we gave up uh, to we, we we gave up gave up relying on testimonials a long long time ago, um, because testimonials can be invented, they can be influenced by other factors, and 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 this testimonial that you just read out is particularly funny because. Um, it is totally implausible that uh, manipulating the neck uh, influences deafness in any sort of way. Uh, you need to know a little bit about anatomy, but the, the 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 nerve supply of the inner ear, by which you hear, doesn't go through the the spine at all. So so you you, you can you can do whatever you want to a human spine. Uh, it whatever you do, it cannot possibly influence hearing. You can break somebody's neck uh, and and paralyze that person. He will still be hearing, unless he's dead. And and even more to the point, Harvey was surprised that he had a spinal injury during the time he lost uh, his hearing. So yeah, so a, a little bit, a little bit odd. So uh, then coming to nowadays. Where and how many chiropractors are there? So with regards to, if we compare it to the medical field, compared to number of doctors, are there many chiropractors or not that many? Well, in, in, in some countries, uh, chiropractic as a profession is not, not even legal, is not, not allowed. In, in some countries, uh, there are plenty of chiropractors, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in America, I guess uh, in 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 uh, in the UK, um, we we have chiropractors who are regulated by statute, uh, just like doctors. They they have the the, the, the official uh, standing uh, and regulation and and uh, control bodies, just like doctors. Uh, but but there are uh, much fewer uh, in in 
in the UK than than doctors, and uh, in 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 Germany there are also uh, not many chiropractors. There are more osteopaths in Germany. So it, it really depends on which country you're talking about. Worldwide, there there are uh, many hundred thousand chiropractors. And how does uh, chiropractor differ from osteopath? That's a good question. The the uh, Didi Palmer uh, went on a course uh, to learn uh, osteopathy, which was generated uh, by, uh, as I mentioned already, Andrew Still around the same time. And uh, chiropractors d- deny this, but uh, Didi Palmer actually stole much of his knowledge from osteopaths. And then he changed it, and and uh, today it's quite complicated because osteopaths in America are proper doctors. They they can be they can become neurologists, gynecologists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They have arranged themselves the two professions, and there is hardly any difference at all. Um, anywhere else, uh, and particularly in Europe. Osteopaths are alternative practitioners, and uh, they they have, uh, depending on what the national rules are, some sort of training. But they're not uh, nearly uh, uh, trained as thoroughly in medicine as uh, conventional doctors. So the difference between the two professions. between the two alternative practitioners uh, of con- uh, of chiropractic and osteopathy is that um, osteopaths generally use much softer techniques. And that is important because that makes them far less dangerous than the chiropractors. Chiropractors use techniques, particularly in the upper spine, which can injure the upper spine in a way that an artery breaks up and then you have a stroke. And if you're really unlucky, you die of that stroke. So chiropractic is much more dangerous than osteopathy. And, um, right, so I've never been to chiropractic. chiropractic. So for people who haven't actually experienced it, can you describe why would I go there and why would, what would I expect to find? Well, uh, you, you can have uh, many reasons to go there. Some chiropractors advertise that they can treat anything. They, they consider themselves as primary care physicians. They treat little children uh, uh, and and they treat uh, infections, they treat earache, they treat asthma, they treat virtually everything. Uh, and the other camp of of chiropractors, which no- nowadays dominates in most countries, um, they consider themselves as back specialists. So if you have neck or back pain, um, you would go and see a chiropractor. <clears throat> the chiropractor would manually um, uh, investigate your spine, the mobility of your spine, most likely he or she would diagnose some subluxation, 
and then he would uh, do a spinal manipulation for which there are various techniques and, and, and even devices in order to reposition the, the spine. Um, the thing is, uh, subluxations don't even exist. Uh, that is pretty clear um, today. And uh, chiropractors treat something in your spine which doesn't exist. That is quite important to know. And uh, therefore, it is not very surprising that uh, their treatments are not very effective. There's a placebo effect, of course. There's the expect expectation that uh, a patient goes to a chiropractor, has heard good things of chiropractic, and and expects to get, get better and therefore does get bet better. But the manipulation is uh, not very effective. A, a little bit, perhaps, for back pain, um, for neck pain, the danger outweighs the benefit and therefore I would certainly not advise anybody to go to a chiropractor who's suffering from neck pain. For for chronic back pain, for acute back pain, perhaps you might want to see a chiropractor. Um, but uh, that's about it. Uh, if you have anything else, don't go to a chiropractor. Also, their advice is dangerous. They advise quite often against vaccination, for instance. Um, you mentioned this word subluxation. Uh, can you define what it means? Well, it, it, uh, Didi Palmer postulated that uh, the spinal joints are uh, dislocated, uh, not quite dislocated, but uh, slightly dislocated. And he called this a subluxation. Today we know that this was uh, pure fantasy and subluxations do not exist. Uh, chiropractors use all sorts of diagnostic methods, including x-ray, to diagnose uh, um, subluxation, but you can, you can test how, how, how accurate they are in diagnosing it. And um, um, the, 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 the consensus, the scientific consensus is that subluxations do not exist. It's great to know. It is a very nicely sounding word, I would say. <laughs> so you mentioned that chiropractors often use other alternative modalities. And why would that be? Well, they, they, um, I, su I suppose chiropractors know the evidence, uh, perhaps not everything about, about the evidence. They see it much more rosy than I have been pre presenting it. Um, uh, but they cannot escape the fact that there is, let's say, doubt about the effectiveness of spinal manipulation. So what do they do? They say, okay, we, we, we use all sorts of other things as well. We use uh, advice about uh, posture. We use advice about exercise. We use uh, um, heat treatments. We use uh, ultrasound treatment, etc., etc. Uh, so, so basically, what what they what they do when they um, adopt these methodologies, 
they uh, they, they steal the 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 toolkit from physiotherapists because all these treatments that I've described are basically uh, the, the treatments that physiotherapists use. So in in a sense, they become physiotherapists, except they're not as well trained as physiotherapists, except they do spinal manipulation far too often, which, as I tried to explain, can be quite dangerous. And uh, they don't have the scope uh, of a physiotherapist who who can do lots of other things, for instance, in intensive care, uh, mobilize patients, etc., etc. So they become amateur physiotherapists in a, in in a way by realizing that their spinal manipulation is not nearly as good as they pretend to be. Have you yourself ever been to a chiropractic? I I, I have. I have learned how to do chiropractic. Of course, I have been uh, manipulated by a chiropractor, yes. Uh, Maybe not by a chiropractor, but by physiotherapists do that also quite a lot, uh, spinal manipulation. But but they, when a physiotherapist uh, uses spinal manipulation, he or she doesn't believe that he's he's curing subluxations he doesn't believe in 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 the in the mythical um, uh, assumptions of dd palmer which uh, chiropractors very often still believe in interesting so you got gathered some data of of one at least <laughs> Yes, yes. So you mentioned there are quite a few risks of uh, chiropractic practice itself. So what are the ways it can be regulated to protect the patients who can be perhaps victims of uh, the practice? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. In, in, in some countries, chiropractors are regulated. I already mentioned in in the UK, they are regulated by statute, which means there is a governing body, the General Chiropractic Council, as it is called in the UK, and they have the duty to safeguard the uh, the, the public. Um, uh, but it is more than debatable, I think, whether that duty is actually fulfilled. Um, if we we had a couple of years ago we had a case where tragically an, an elderly man went to a chiropractor uh, even though he had back pain lower back pain the chiropractor manipulated his upper spine which they often do they they see the, the spine as one organ and and if you have uh, according to their diagnostic methods uh, subluxation in the upper spine they they will manipulate it so this elderly man got manipulated and uh, uh, basically died of of that manipulation he he, he had a stroke and died and uh, it, it was a very very clear case of malpractice in in my view from 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 several points of view for instance, he hadn't declared uh, uh, informed consent. He hadn't. He had. She hadn't 
told the patient what the risks are, etc., etc. And we know all this because he wasn't alone, his wife was with him. And uh, what what happened? What what did the regulator do? Did, did the regulator say that, that was uh, wrong? And did, did they take off the license of the chiropractor? Nothing of the sort. So um, what I'm trying to say, the the function and the duty of the regulator to regulate chiropractic properly is uh, uh, lacking to a great extent. It's debatable whether they do their job properly. So that's something that really bothers me about chiropractic itself, because it's really unclear where the practice lies in between medicine and wellness industry how it is regulated when things go wrong. So, for example, if you go to doctor, you know, you're protected against malpractice. But um, chiropractic, as you just described, can really bring um, tangible, really, really dire effect, effects on, on the patients. So, in your view, what is needed to regulate it? For example, in regards to vulnerable patients, like elderly and children as well, Yes, you, you you need a, a proper regulator like like other healthcare professionals are, uh, have, and uh, and they are properly regulated. In, uh, nurses, physiotherapists, dentists, doctors, um, and as I explained in the UK, we have that, but but the 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 function isn't isn't carried out properly. At least in my in my view, not. In other countries, we, we don't have a regulator at all of chiropractic um, because they're not regulated by statute. They self-regulate, so they have a professional body. And uh, and if, if you want to complain, uh, you can complain to that professional body. But uh, this is very unsatisfactory. Um, what What is needed, one of the first steps that, that would be needed is to have a proper record of um, adverse effects. When things go wrong in medicine, you, ha you, you, you have to record these things. This is how we know about rare side effects of, of drugs, for instance. We have a system where we, we report uh, side effects. This doesn't exist in chiropractic, even though we know that about 500 patients have had very severe complications of chiropractic, yet there's no reporting system. So that would be the very first step. And the fact that even in the UK, where we have a proper, so-called proper regulator of chiropractic, um, even in the UK, we don't have such a system of reporting side effects, just reinforces my point that even in the UK, chiropractic is not properly and adequately uh, regulated. So what is the public outlook on the chiropractic, you think? So from your point of view, how are public re perceiving it? The, uh, in, in the UK and, and even more so in, in America, uh, chiropractors are seen as very conventional, very established practitioners. Uh, in, in America, they call themselves doctor, uh, doctor, 
of chiropractic or just doctor. So a, a, a patient doesn't necessarily know that he or she is seeing a practitioner who has never been to medical school. That old man who I mentioned who died after uh, after um, a chiropractic intervention thought he was going to a doctor because she called herself Dr. So-and-so. And that was in, in the UK, uh, where this is not even allowed. Uh, so the, 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 your question was the public, how, how does the public perceive chiropractors? I think the, the, the public gets a totally wrong uh, picture of chiropractic. They, they think they are just like doctors, only specialized perhaps in, 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 in backs, um, uh, and and they're fully qualified. They're very well regulated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. None of this is the, the case. But chiropractors obviously do everything they can to create that image. Uh, and um, why do they do it? Because it's good for, good for business. So, what would be your best advice on how to speak about chiropractic to your friends and family? Uh, the best advice, I, th I think, uh, uh, comes from an uh, American uh, neurologist who, who said, "Don't let the bugger, don't don't let the buggers touch your neck." <laughs> <laughs> My advice would would be if if somebody asked me, "Should I see a chiropractor?" I I would just say no, don't. Uh, what whatever you have, if you have back problems, see see a physiotherapist, see an orthopedic surgeon, whatever. If you have anything else, uh, chiropractors are totally inadequate to treat anything else than than backs, and even for backs, they're not not nearly the best. So, is it fair to say that your ideal world does not include chiropractic at all? Yes, I, I think chiropractic is a, a, a profession that, even though it seems very well established, it 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 has not really a established place in healthcare anywhere not for treating backs and certainly not for treating other things. That's great. So I'm, I'm sure that our listeners is go, are going to find reading your book, Chiropractic, not all that it's cracked up to be. Ooh, this, <laughs> this title is just, just perfect. So, Edzard, we've taken up a lot of your time and I would like to ask, what are you working on now? I've just um, finished the book. Um... And th that that book is on alternative medicine, very broadly, not not one particular alternative medicine, but any alternative medicine, but for one particular indication, and that is cancer. Um, so alternative medicine for cancer, it, it's actually called so-called alternative medicine in brackets scam. This is how I how I abbreviate it today: so-called mm -hmm. alternative medicine for cancer and and uh, this is on on the, the background on for this is that there is hardly a single cancer patient anywhere who is not bombarded with information about 
uh, alternative medicine. Use this alternative medicine and it will cure your cancer. Well, the, the claim that anything can cure cancer within the umbrella of alternative medicine is just simply wrong. And, and th that is something I feel needs to be explained to the public. So I go through all these treatments that are claimed to be cancer cures in alternative medicine. But the book would be entirely negative, and I don't like, like writing an entirely negative book. So there, there actually may be a place for alternative medicine in cancer, and that is in cancer care, in, in palliative cancer care, where you can uh, uh, use some of the alternative treatments to improve the quality of life of cancer patients. You don't. You, you're not aiming at curing cancer. That that has hopefully been done, uh, and 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 you, you're now looking at improving the quality of life of of cancer patients, uh, easing their pain, relaxing, uh, supporting their their sleep ability, uh, uh, supporting their ability to gain weight again if they have lost weight, etc. So. Uh, it's it's a book in two parts. One is very negative. I'm, I'm warning people of alternative cancer cures, and then in the second part, I'm I'm I'm, I'm presenting the evidence to show that some alternative treatments can actually help cancer patients who are uh, who have survived cancer, or indeed who are terminal, and in some cases even the quality of death might be improved by adding some alternative treatments uh, to the toolkit of medicine. That sounds really interesting, and I'm hoping that you're going to come back and talk to us about uh, your next book. It, it's, it's going to be published probably late, later this year, and it's also li like, like the uh, chiropractic book. It's also uh, with uh, Springer, so... Uh, the, the same publisher and and once it's out there you you easily find it on on amazon or other outlets excellent and where can our listeners find about your work and your papers i'm writing a blog uh, which we haven't mentioned i'm, I'm virtually every day writing writing something on on my blog and and that you can find just by my name edzard ernst with uh, uh, without dot or without uh, interruption dot com and then you're on my blog and on this blog you can see now over 2000 uh, articles that I've written so it's plenty to read and, and you can search by by uh, treatments you can, you can search for instance homeopathy and you find uh, several hundred articles on homeopathy what I usually do on the blog when somebody uh, has published a new paper on, for instance, homeopathy. I look at, at this paper and I, uh, I, I summarize what has been found and I criticize where necessary the methodology and, or I say that's a good paper and that's a, a sound piece of evidence. So it's, it's, it's updating everybody on, on their area of interest if they have an interest in alternative medicine. That's a really great resource for everybody interested. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me today. That was really interesting and I learned a lot. My pleasure. Okay, thank you very much for coming and I hope you enjoy your weekend.